All right, all right, all right. Welcome to week 17, the final week of the fantasy football season. What a ride it's been. I'm your host, Jacob Norlock, actually coming to you from snowy Minnesota. It's a nice warm uh, day today. Uh, I think it's 33 degrees, so uh, certainly a lot better than the negative 30 on the first half of our trip. Um, wanted to, to thank everybody for listening to the journey. I know it's been a little spotty as of late. Hey, life gets uh, a little crazy and busy, but excited because I think this might be the most fun uh, podcast I've made this year. I am flying solo with no help or co-host, but that's okay because I can dive into some of the big things and matchups for uh, this week, what's super important, and, and I've kind of spent some time breaking it all down. Um, what's crazy and the fun fact of today is that literally today, Thursday, December 29th, represents exactly half that Tom Brady has spent his life in the NFL comparative to how long he's been alive. So he was drafted at 22 years, something, something days. Um, And uh, tomorrow, so obviously after today, he will have spent more of his life in the NFL than he has not in the NFL which is very interesting and odd statistic. Uh, But anyways, I thought that was kind of a a fun little listen. Um, I do want to give a shout out and congratulations to Blake, who throughout the year obviously has been at the number one spotter, certainly close to, but he is by far the best team and uh, and certainly solidified that. There was no question about it. Um, Winning eight straight games, which is impressive uh, in fantasy football, just the consistency factor. He led the league in scoring, also impressive. Um, you know, he's also the result of, of some good luck. And, hey, to win in fantasy, you got to have good luck. He's actually had the least amount of points scored against him. Uh, the next closest person who has had less points, so for frame of reference, Blake had 2,278 points. The next person is Mike who had 2,310. Uh, if you're curious who has had the most points scored against them, that would be the Hit Parade, who has had 2,662 scored against them. Interesting and uh, and kind of fun, uh, just little tidbits there. Um, congratulations, Blake. You certainly uh, did very, very well. Impressive season and, uh, and wanted to give you a, your shout-out. How does that compare to, to last year? Um, for example, the the end of this season, this does include playoffs. Unfortunately, I can't like factor that stuff out. But uh, Tony was actually the the number one uh, lead league leading in scoring last year, um, and he totaled two thousand six hundred and forty two points. Um, I'm sorry, that is incorrect statistic. I apologize. Josh led the league at two thousand. 644, two points ahead of Tony. So I apologize for that little blunder there. Um, Josh led the league in scoring at 2644. So uh, across the board, you know, we could, we could say that this has um, been a, an impressive year because Blake now is at 2,708, more points than anybody has scored last year. Well done, Blake. Uh, hats off to you there. Um, so what's in line for this week? Well, one There are several games that do matter. There are also several that don't. There is a race for second. Right now, Chad and Kevin are separated by just 39 points. 
But that doesn't really matter at all because they are head-to-head this week and a perfect end-of-year battle to figure out who takes second and who takes third. Essentially a, uh, a nice $75 difference. Second place will take home the $225, and third place will drop to $150. Fourth place is securely fastened as yours truly. Whether I win or lose, there's nothing I can do to move out of that position. In a year of high hopes and disappointments, uh, just like the Raiders, the Brokeback Mountain is stuck in fourth. Five through seven is kind of a no-man's land. Not much to care about aside from one team that will want to lose, have the other team lose, gets a better shot at the lottery. Uh, the good guys face off against Mizraki. And then the Mambas are going to be playing one of the lower tier teams, Mile High Kings, who's attempting to avoid last. But by and large, this kind of 5-7 to seven is middleman's middle land with really only a lottery pick that is uh, as a part of what could happen out of that. Um. There's one thing I want to get to before we talk about the big slate of today, which is who is going to end up with a pink license plate. Um, I'm going to do some end-of-year season awards. I thought it would be kind of fun. You know, the, uh, the Academy Awards has the Oscars. The Office has the Dundies. I wasn't really sure what made sense for this podcast, but I figured, hey, this might work. Um, the Brokeback Mountain podcast has the Cowboy. So the Cowboy Award is going to be uh, tied to different things that have happened throughout the course of the year, fantasy-related for different players. And uh, first off, the the MVP, the most outstanding Cowboy of the year, is actually going to be shared. So there's a co-award here by the two top players in fantasy, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. They are the only two players this season, granted, still one game to go, whether Jalen Hurts plays or not will factor into how many get a hu- above 500, but right now they're the only two players above 500. In the past several years, we've had anywhere between four and seven players above 500. Um, Joe Burrow has an opportunity to do that, but as of right now, they're the only two. And, and probably the reason why Blake dominated the entire field this year Having the two top players who are scoring the most points puts you in the absolute best position every single week. Um, And we have to give a special shout-out to Josh Allen. He finishes as the number one fantasy asset in the game for the third straight season. In 2020, Josh Allen had 538 fantasy points. In 2021, he had 561 and he's currently at 518 with one thing, one game to go uh, for the rest of this season. The most improved Cowboy Award goes to, and certainly you guys can disagree or argue with me here, but I, I try to think of someone who you know really didn't do much last year and went off this year. And so i got to go with Geno Smith. I mean, in 2021, Geno Smith had 76 total fantasy points the entire season. Granted, he wasn't the starting quarterback, but nevertheless, this year, he is on pace to finish QB6, which I don't think anyone would have projected, especially stepping into that role in Seattle, that he was going to be literally less than one point under 400 points um, and certainly has been impressive as a fantasy asset for this year. Others in the most improved category included guys like Trevor Lawrence, Jared Goff, Tony Pollard, Ramondre Stevenson, a lot of guys who have done really well. If I was doing the back half of the season, I'd certainly include Christian Watson as a part of that conversation. But I would say um, 
Oh, I can't include Christian Watson because he's obviously a rookie. Uh, but those are some guys that I would say were would be part of the most improved award there. The next up is the most surprising cowboy. And this one goes to Josh Jacobs. Um, before drafts started back in like the July, August time frame, Josh Jacobs was going at around 42 ADP and as the 21st best running back in the league. With Derrick Henry likely out for tonight's game, it's honestly between Eckler and Jacobs for the game's best running back, and Eckler has made up a majority of his points actually on the receiving side. So Josh Jacobs leading the league in rushing, 306 carries for 1,539 yards, uh, tallying uh, 47 catches for another 369 yards plus 11 touchdowns. It's super impressive for a guy that was considered, I mean, we watched the Hall of Fame game. And like it was considered that Josh Jacobs may not even play on the Raiders this year. That was the commentary around that. And he's basically put all of those people to bed, silencing him. He's the most surprising cowboy of the year. Hats off to Josh Jacobs. Um, coming into a very pivotal contract. Uh, he becomes a free agent at the end of this year. So we will see if the Raiders re-sign him. If he doesn't, you can better believe He's going to earn himself some big bucks coming up soon. The next ward is the he's that guy cowboy. Basically, that dude. If you were to see this player, you're like, yeah, he is that guy. That goes to Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson is incredible to watch. Um, There are a lot of fantastic receivers and a lot of really good receivers from the LSU. But Justin Jefferson has just been phenomenal. What he was able to do um, when the Vikings had that monster comeback win against Buffalo, which was just incredible. Uh, The one-handed catch, which is uh, maybe better than the OBJ catch, just incredible. Justin Jefferson has suppressed Randy Moss. Yes, Randy Moss, the Hall of Famer, with a team record of 1,000. 632 receiving yards. He also broke Chris Carter's record of 122 catches. He now has 123 with one more game left. Um, He's also 209 yards away from breaking Calvin Johnson's NFL record of 1,964 receiving yards. So he needs 209 yards. He's a number one fantasy and wide receiver. I'm rooting for JJ to break the record. He's an awesome guy and, and would certainly be exciting. Um, he gritties like nobody else, and he is that guy. Congratulations, JJ, on being that cowboy. Then next up, um, you guys will laugh at me, but this is the Smuckers Cowboy. Like, what the heck is a Smuckers Cowboy? Well, if you know Smuckers, the tagline is simply the best. And the Smuckers Cowboy Award goes to Travis Kelsey because he is simply the the best. He's the most dominant tight end that we've seen in several years. Probably back to, I'd have to go back and look, and I think that there are probably years where Gronk was this guy um, that was so far ahead. It was like Gronk, then everybody else. This year, more so because the tight end position has sucked. It's been terrible. But he's currently 96 points ahead of the next closest, TJ Hawkinson. Um, Travis Kelsey has 96 catches, over 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns. He had multiple games with at least three touchdowns. I think there was two or three games where he had uh, two and and two games where he had three. Um, 
He was just the best tight end that was out there this year. He crossed a thousand yard barrier for the seventh straight season and has become only the fifth tight end in NFL history to rack up over 10,000 career receiving yards, joining the categories of great Hall of Famers like, well, the, the guy that probably is considered the greatest tight end of all time who coincidentally played for the same team, Gonzo, who played for the, the Chiefs, and then other guys like Antonio Gates, um, even uh, the the Dallas guy who's escaping me right now. Um, come on, Jacob. I'll have to circle back to that. This is being recorded live. I'm not doing any edits. This is going to be a one take for you guys, so don't have all the facts in front of me. Um, but uh, he's an announcer, Jason Witten. Whew, there we go, got it. And then Travis Kelsey is among that list as well. The biggest disappointment, Cowboy, you know, this one was tough. I had to find out where the hype was really good, but they fell fo- so far below their expectations. And there were guys like DJ Moore. Like his hype wasn't that good, but he was below expectations, but then has kind of turned it around the last few weeks. Cam Akers was certainly a category or a candidate for this one, given the fact that like there was a time where he walked away from the team. But he's actually come back and actually been scoring points. So I'm like, maybe he's not this actual award winner. Kyle Pitts, there was some injury part of that. Can I credit him for that? Najee Harris, a very good candidate for this. Jonathan Taylor, obviously injury played into this, but was the unanimous number one overall fantasy player from a uh, skill position set. Ultimately, I landed on one that was a little bit closer to home, Russell Wilson. The Broncos averaged 15 and a half points per game. That was their lowest total since 1979. Russ had 12 touchdowns to nine interceptions, which is the worst cube, uh, touchdown to interception ratio for a quarterback starting at least 13 games. For, for reference, Mac Jones was actually the league worst at 12 games started with nine touchdowns and eight interceptions. Wilson had an absolute career year. Career of lows, that is. Lowest QBR rating in his career. Lowest amount of touchdowns thrown. Lowest amount of completions. Lowest amount of pass attempts. Lowest amount of yards. The Bronco offense was the worst offense in the red zone. They are literally horrible. And there's really not a lot else to blame, in my opinion. Certainly you could say, hey, obviously they fired the coach. They think he's the problem. But there's a lot of fingers that point to Russ. And just the way that he carried himself this year, like the, the guy was the weirdest guy that we've ever seen. And so I put a lot of blame on Russ's shoulders. And for everyone wondering, it'll be uh, a breath of fresh air now that he is no longer my carry and will be no longer on my team. Um, and I will not be drafting him next year. Someone else can carry him or probably more ris- realistically pick him up off waivers. I'm sure he'll still be there. All right, let's get into the best part of today. What happens for last place? Who's buying beer at the draft? Who's donning the pink license plate? Uh, I'll need to get your address so I can ship it off to you after this week. I'm ready for that to get off uh, my uh, my beautiful black truck and uh, restore the Raiders license plate, although I'm a bit shameful to put that guy on it given all the news that's happened and what we've done over the last season as well. <laughs> all right, so let's break it down. Um, just for a reminder of everyone, if, especially if you're just listening to this podcast and haven't spent much time on fantasy because you've been out of it for several weeks, um, Josh is currently at last, 5-11. and 11. Now, he is one game back of both Mike and Ryan, who are at 6-10 and 10, in case you can't count. Um, Mike has the fewest points trailing Josh by nearly 200. Josh trails Ryan 
by exactly 26.16 points. So let's see how each team avoids lasts, and we're going to start with number eight, the hit parade. Um, so when we look at this, we've got there, – there are basically um, – Many ways that Ryan avoids last. He's in the best position possible. He holds a point advantage over both teams and is in control of his own destiny. So simply put, if Ryan wins, he avoids the last play. It is that easy. There is nothing else that needs to happen. He's not dependent upon anybody else. If Ryan wins, it is over and done with. Josh, for sure, is in last place. Whatever happens in Mike and Tony's game is irrelevant. It would be hit parade, settled in at 8, Mike at 9, Josh at 10. Now, this is where it gets fun. If Ryan loses to Josh, not all hope is lost for Ryan because there are actually two more ways in which he can avoid last. Way number one, if he loses by less than 26.16 points. So Ryan is looking for a narrow game. Way number two, Mike also loses. Now, if Mike loses and Ryan loses, that throws all three teams into a three-way tie, which would then refer back, revert back to, well, points. And if Ryan loses, Mike loses, which means Josh wins. They'll have the same record. And then, therefore, Mike will actually be in last place. And Ryan still avoids last, finishing in 8th, Josh in ninth, and Mike in 10th. Okay, so that's how Ryan avoids a license plate. Let's move on to number 9, Mile High Kings. Should Mike beat Tony, he also avoids last. So all Mike needs to do is win. Basically, just like Ryan, he controls his own destiny. But Mike has lost three in a row. And a loss would be devastating to his chances because if Mike loses, oh, does that open up what the possibilities could happen? Mike has to win and will certainly be rooting for Ryan because if Ryan loses, Mike is all clear. Excuse me. If, if Ryan wins, Mike is all clear. But if Ryan loses, it's between Josh and Mike. And, well, like I said, Josh holds a nearly 200-point advantage. So Josh is looking for a win and a Mike loss. Mike is looking to win or, if he loses, a victory by Ryan. And then finally, Josh. Josh is in last place. Josh is the, the whole shot favorite to win the license plate. But he does need a little help and is still in position of controlling his own destiny to some extent. Let's say um, that Mike does win, okay? If Mike wins, then Josh has to beat Ryan by 26.17 points. That is the only way he avoids last. If he wins by less, then it will be all for naught because he will lose in points to Ryan and ultimately end up with the license plate. If he loses, he is also out. Very easy there. For any of this scenario to work out for Josh, he has to win. Okay. Now, if he wins and beats Ryan by more than 27 points, 26.16 to be exact, he avoids last 
but could also finish as high as eighth should <laughs> Mike also lose, then it would may mean that the finishing statistics would be Josh, Mike, excuse me, that is incorrect. <laughs> that would be Mike the, that is last place. Josh would be eighth, Ryan ninth, Mike last. Sorry, guys, there's a lot of statistics and a lot of things being not on my page here that I'm reading, but all it's all good and fun. Uh, essentially, uh, as a quick breakdown, if Ryan wins, he avoids last. If Mike wins, he avoids last. If Josh wins, by 27 points, he avoids last. But if any of those situations change, it throws it into uh, a, a pretty crazy scenario. For me, um, man, it would be fun to see a three-way tie for last. I know that means that you're last, Mike, but that would be a ton of fun just to see the, the total chaotic breakdown of this. I know that there's two games I'm going to be watching with great intent because the last part of this podcast that I want to talk to you about uh, is actually going to be, well, what happens after the season? Now, if you are aware, Tony has multiple first-round picks. He has Mike's first-round pick, Josh's first-round pick, and Hayden's first-round pick, which means that if, my, if, if Tony wins this week, which he plays Mike, um, he will actually, as long as Hayden loses, he will move ahead of Hayden, or if he scores more points than Hayden because they're so narrow in points, that Tony will actually move himself from the seventh place into the sixth place, meaning that his number one pick, which is Hayden's, would be in the seventh, and Tony would control three out of the four lottery picks, basically ensuring that he's probably going to be first, second, and fourth. Now, that could look a few different ways, and there's a slim hope that he would not, but for all intents and purposes, it looks like Tony would be well set up. The other situation is that Ms. Rocky battles off and beats the good guys, which means that he would remain so long as he wins by more than well, outscores Tony in this situation. Um, their current projections are literally 154.23 for, for Hayden, 154.15 separated by by less than, let's see, what is that, eight points there? Um, eight hundredths of a point, excuse me. And so if he does that, which is in the best interest of Hayden, he actually controls Tony's first-round pick. Tony would then be in the lottery, which would mean that Hayden is in the lottery should that uh, happen and then would have a shot for the number one overall pick. Um, that is going to do it for the 2022 season. It sure was a fun one. Uh, I know there were some highs and some lows. Congratulations again to Blake. Good luck, Mile High Herberts, Hater Nation, and to the Hit Parade. We're going to be tuning into those. Um, as I look at the games, Right now, Josh is a heavy favorite in that game, and uh, and certainly the, the the Mambas are a heavy favorite over the the Mile High Herberts. Um, Ryan, check that lineup. I, it looks like, you know, I'm sorry, man, but like your number one dude probably not going to play tonight. I hopefully you're like listening to this podcast and are aware that Derrick Henry is not going to go tonight uh, by otherwise of, of a miracle. Also. Um, 
you know, just check your lineup uh, because as of right now, you're pretty much setting yourself up to get last. Um, but if it's if you don't check, then it's kind of on you. And I think Josh is holding his breath that you don't check right now. <laughs> um, to everyone else, hey, hope you guys had a, a wonderful Christmas. Have a happy new year. And this is uh, Jacob signing out from the BBM podcast, The Brokeback Mountain, uh, last week as The Brokeback Mountain before changing the name back. Um, I'm not sure what exactly the protocols are. I'll have to wait for Commission's ruling on when I can take the license plate off and when I can change my name back. But uh, please do update me on that, Kev. All right, guys. Hope you guys have a great, uh, great New Year's. Cheers. Peace. I tried so hard and got so far